I'm Kate Daniels. Jay McDonald is an executive leadership coach who's had a wealth of experience in the corporate world and in life in general. He has this great book, which really is ideal for almost all ages, that is beginning at high school and onward. It's so insightful and encouraging, and Jay is here to discuss parts of it with us now. Jay McDonald, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us today. Great to be with you, Kate. You know, I'm so excited that we have this opportunity because your book, your life, it has so much relevance, yes, really at any time. But, you know, when we look at where we are today with so much transition going on and so much change and flux, I think there's just so much that is so important and relevant here. But I must say, when I first saw the title, Strategic Jaywalking, and your name is Jay McDonald, I thought, well... There must be something about Jay and jaywalking that corresponds. I didn't think of it in terms of, well, it's a great concept here, but but jaywalking in terms of what that activity is in life when we cross at a point where we're not really expected or should be crossing, right? Exactly. Obviously, it is a play on my name, but it also is a theme of the book and the theme I think leaders can embrace to do better. We've lived in a world where previously the large ate the small, now it's the fast eat the slow, so to speak. And jaywalking is an example, kind of a tongue-in-cheek example, but an example of if you know you want to go from point A to point B and you're in the middle of the street, and you can safely cross the street, not an interstate, obviously, but a street without walking to the corner, waiting for the traffic light, signal walk, and walk across and come back the other way. You save time, and assuming you're breaking no laws, too, <laughs> I'm not encouraging that. You get to solutions quicker and more effectively than always just doing it the way we've always done it. And that's really the theme of the book and leadership in life. And I think what is great here is because maybe the term, you know, think outside the box has become so used that people don't even hear it anymore. So introducing a concept like jaywalking, I think, is a great way to kind of just give it a good boost and uh, take a look at this and see how we might use it in our own life. Exactly. It is thinking outside the box, but it's coloring outside the lines, being creative, being innovative. It's the people who find better and more productive ways of doing things that also benefit people in a larger way that are going to be the winners. And we have to, as leaders, encourage our teams to have that innovation and that creativity to be competitively at our best, but also to enjoy what they're doing. The world today, I work with leaders every day, and many of them probably are ADD in one way or another. I might have been on Ritalin as a child if they'd known about it, too, but just putting people over in the corner because they're a little bit different isn't necessarily best for them or certainly best for the world. Some of the best leaders in the world were what I term jaywalkers. 
And taking it in terms of your own personal life, and you say that if Ritalin was known when you were a child, they might have put you on that. But in effect, you used a lot of creativity. You had a lot of that energy that you were somehow able to really channel into good experiences and that really built a lot of the education during that time for your life as it evolved. Exactly. I was lucky throughout and have been lucky throughout my life to have role models and mentors who believed in me probably sooner than they should have. And it helped me build the confidence to believe in myself and to make sure I did not disappoint them in any way. And I think that's something as we talk about leadership today and how it's evolving that all of us can learn from and and do better. This generation of folks in the workforce now, well, there are actually five generations, but the younger parts of the generations, the Generation Zs and the Millennials, are looking for a lot more. They're looking for work-life balance in ways that perhaps the baby boomers did not. They're looking for purpose and meaning in their jobs and in the companies they work for. They want to have that set of values and um, beliefs. And they are smart people. They're smarter probably than, than the older generation because they've got access to more ways to learn than the older generation did with the internet and Google and all the different resources that we have beyond just the corner library or our school books. And so I think we really can see that in the younger generation that is in the workforce now and how they approach it and the companies that they gravitate towards the expectations that they have. So these companies are quite typically more the tech companies, aren't they? But it doesn't have to be that. Uh, they are typically the technology companies, but you're right, they don't have to be that. And honestly, the companies in more traditional areas of business are starting to do things, and some have been doing things, that are more in the jaywalking genre, so to speak, and that they're being more collaborative. There's a lot less organizationally for what I would call the command and control sort of organization, which is militaristic in many ways. It needs to be that way probably in the military. But having a boss, so to speak, is a term that's not used very much this way unless it's critically or endearingly. Sometimes people will endearingly say, hey, boss, uh, in a nice way. But uh, instead of bosses, I think we're evolving more to coaches and collaboration, not just in the athletic sense, but working as a team and having each person know their role and being given opportunities to develop as a person and as an employee and ultimately as a leader, if that's what they want to do, and dealing more on the soft side of things as opposed to hard skills, the soft skills of 
empathy, listening, asking good questions, showing that you care, all of those things, playing well in the sandbox with your other teammates, those are the things that are being done by the companies that are attracting and keeping the best employees and the companies that are succeeding financially too on the stock market and you know in their general performance. So if a company, an entity, is not really functioning in this way, do you feel employees have a way that they can encourage and move towards having more of a collaborative workplace, workspace? Well, I, I think that employees have in the relationship between employer and employees, employees today have the leverage, so to speak, the upper hand in that they have lots of choices as to where they work. And People don't stay with a company their entire life and get a gold watch when they retire much anymore. Folks are working several jobs during their career, and some are working more than one job at the same time, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, people in the gig society, so to speak, who are working remotely and doing multiple things. So I think employers that are holding on to people and growing are listening to their employees. And I think those employees should speak up, should not just bring problems, but bring solutions to the problems and talk with their peers and their other leaders about ways that collaboratively and as a team, each doing their particular responsibilities can make one plus one equal much more than two. Yes, that just seems to make so much sense. And I don't think it's just the younger generation, but they are really committed to this. But I think maybe just as humans, we have uh, more typically embraced that wanting to have that relationship type of model in our workplace, of, of being able to collaborate and share ideas. And yet, there are entities that don't want to go that way, but is it going to be kind of a tipping point situation that eventually we are going to move to this place? I think we are, and I think competition will force it if companies do not proactively adopt models to be more collaborative. Human beings in general, regardless of age, want to make a difference. They want purpose in their lives, purpose in their, not only their work, but in their personal life. They want a separation of those and are looking for balance in those. And they want to work for an organization that cares and that shows them that what they're doing makes a difference. One of the stories I write in the book was an organization in the healthcare field, and they were they brought consultants in to help them try to get their employees more engaged. And the consultant, after interviewing a number of employees, decided to take all the employees on a field trip to local hospitals. And in those hospitals, these employees saw 
how these devices and products that the healthcare company made were being used in emergency rooms and saving lives and helping people get better. And a light switch sort of goes off in people's heads when they really understand how what they do makes a difference in the world. And productivity, morale, just the overall interaction among employees and leaders improve immensely just with the silly thing that that sounds like of a field trip. Which I guess we would describe as such, but... In the experience, we see how it was just so much broader and deeper and and more all-encompassing than just a field trip. Oh, absolutely. You know, the more leaders and organizations can let people understand how every role in the organization makes a difference in some way to that end ultimate customer, that makes it important. Then at the backyard barbecues, when they're seeing their friends and somebody says, where do you work? Not only do they just say, well, I work for ABC company or what have you. They talk about what they do and why what they do is so cool and how important it is and how much they enjoy it. And over time, that through social media and just word of mouth, creates a buzz for that particular organization and all of a sudden you know they've got people lined up at the door who want to come to work for them and they also on the plus side are holding on to their best employees so that culture makes a huge difference too so in that culture when we think about it being collaborative Is there less need for what we sometimes term top management heavy? Well, obviously, it depends on the business and exactly what what they do. But the the short answer is yes. And I've always believed that the closer your leadership and all of your employees can get to the customer and what the customer really wants because it's the customers, obviously, that pay the salaries of everybody. The better your organization is going to be. So organizations are becoming flatter and less hierarchical. They are becoming, as I mentioned earlier, more collaborative, and they're working with teams now. Some of the newer workspaces, as opposed to workplaces, are making that a little more challenging and causing everybody to think a little bit differently and and be creative because work from home is, I think, here to stay for jobs that are appropriate for that and can be done in that way. Not all businesses can have A lot of their employees work from home because they're customer-facing or they're manufacturing something. But service-oriented businesses, retail businesses, and those companies are trying to balance that sort of thing and which jobs fit that or not. But when your employees are not at the water cooler or on the elevator or seeing their fellow employees and their leadership daily, there could be an out-of-sight, out-of-mind scenario where they don't 
receive as much attention. So it's incumbent upon leaders to reach out frequently, not just about work, but, you know, how's your family doing? How are your children? How was Susie's ballet or piano recital? How was another child's athletic event? Uh, How are they doing in school? Just caring and knowing things about them, as well as intentionally developing pathways and plans for those people to grow within the organization, if it's the employee's desire to do that. So people are getting more and more creative in how they do those things. So a key would be the team approach that would allow for building relationship. It doesn't necessarily mean that everyone has a relationship with someone that's the CEO. The CEO is going to need to have the relationship with the managers of these various teams within an organization. Exactly. And the CEO must be a coach of her direct report and help them become coaches to their reports and so on. But organizationally, instead of a pyramid organization, I see more of a circular organization. Obviously, you have to have certain people that are in charge where the buck stops for certain decisions. But that collaboration and use of everybody's talent and skill sets, not everybody is equally talented in everything. Most of us have certain things we do really well and other things that other people do a lot better than we do. And the team approach allows you to capitalize on the strengths of everyone in the team while helping to build those other traits in the people that may not have them today. And Jay, what is your feeling in terms of these last two years where things were pretty much turned upside down in our entire world and the impact that that is having on life today? Have there been valuable experiences out of something that was really pretty tragic? I believe there have. There are a lot of things that have evolved from our our experiences over the past couple of years. One is people had more time to think about their life, where they were in their work life, where they might want to be longer term, and so forth. So I think that's part of what fueled the great resignation. People just decided, I've worked from home. I've been able to do this pretty productively. Some may decide they don't want to work from home. Others decide they enjoy that. But probably everyone who at least was in a larger urban area decided, gosh, I don't really need to have that hour and a half round trip commute every day and take that time out out of my schedule. Maybe I want to work closer to where I live. And they've also decided they want to focus on themselves and do the things that they think are most important to them, so they change. Most people leave jobs because of bad, I'll use that term again, bosses or ineffective leaders. That's the biggest reason somebody leaves a job. So companies also had to learn how to lead differently and collaborate differently through 
whether it's through Teams or Zoom or the different technologies out there, Slack and other things, or whether it was once in a while, once the pandemic allowed vaccinated people and people with masks to get together to do other things socially too. So there is a social component of business that people can't forget, but they're finding creative ways of doing that even on the Brady Bunch screen that you see <laughs> with Teams or, uh, or Zoom. That is definitely a good way to describe that. And so what is your feeling about these virtual get-togethers? What is your feeling about it? Well, I think they can be productive and good. There's a little bit of probably fatigue with too much virtual meetings and so forth. But I've experienced virtual happy hours, virtual get-togethers where you did trivia or you just got to know one of team-building exercises where someone would throw out some event. Everyone raised their hand who was born in Indiana or everyone who was born outside the U.S. or what have you. And then you would just learn a lot about people. Raise your hand if you skydived or if you scuba dived or if you owned a company, whatever it is. If you have a twin or a triplet, somebody that's just like you somewhere in the world. It's amazing all the different common threads that run through a group of people that you don't think about, they don't think about, but just coming up with oddball things that allow people to cooperate with each other and get to know each other. I also have clients that are totally virtual companies and were virtual prior to the pandemic, and one of them recently paid the way for every team member from all over the U.S. to go to New Orleans for a three-day conference of just them. They had a number of social activities, nice restaurants, museums, art galleries, historic places to go to, as well as work to be done. But most all of those people were meeting each other live for the first time, even though they had worked together for years remotely in a virtual sense. And the bonding that took place was, according to the CEO of the company, phenomenal. This company has very little turnover. They've got a lot of people who prefer to work uh, remotely and have roles that they can do that effectively in. The company is growing by leaps and bounds as next to no turnover and as people lined up that want to come to work for them. A great example of really being relationship-oriented. Exactly. So let's bring ourselves, as time winds down, to your book, Strategic Jaywalking. Jay, in terms of your own life, is there a special jaywalking experience that really shines through the rest? Well, I'd say my whole life, is, <laughs> uh, in hindsight, it kind of looks like a straight line, uh, in all the different things I've done, but when it was happening in real time, there was a lot of zigzagging. Probably the biggest one was my early career was in the banking industry, and I started with the largest bank in the South while I was in college working part-time in the mailroom for three years. 
I worked 30 hours a week and went to school full-time. I used to say if you read someone's mail every day for three years, you learn a lot about them. So I moved up to leading the largest lending division in the bank and you know, was slated to be one of the people ultimately to potentially run the bank. And I decided one of my customers came to me and said, I've got this great client of his business. He was in the insurance business. And he's got a great business, but no one to leave it to. He doesn't have a succession plan. And he has one daughter who's brilliant, but she has no interest in being in the business. And he said, I think you would be a perfect fit for him. Would you like to meet him? I said, well, I'm happy to meet him, but I'm happy in my career. Well, one thing led to another, and three years after that first meeting, I ended up buying into the business, joining the company as as an owner and becoming president of the company. We grew it by fourfold over eight and a half years and sold it. I've kind of repeated that over my career. I tell people I flunked retirement five times. So that was pretty significant jaywalk to leave a career where you were slated as one of the top two or three people in a large organization and go into an entrepreneurial field and bet on yourself, so to speak. So many great messages and lessons just from what you've shared with us there. As through the entire conversation, Jay McDonald, I feel that this book, Strategic Jaywalking, The Secret Sauce to Life and Leadership Excellence, is such a great educational book tool for any of us. But, you know, thinking of this as graduation season, that this would probably be maybe one of the best gifts we might give to someone that we know that we want to have a great jump in their life and career. Well, I'm biased, but I agree with you. And the book is intended for, I have a grandson who just turned 15. It's intended for his age group through people who are in their 80s because it's about life too. But I think it provides stories and it's conversational. So it's as if we're having a conversation stories throughout it that will help people focus on who they are and what's important to them. And and it's not prescriptive in that you have to do this and you can't do that. It's just my experiences of being a leader and coaching leaders and working with lots of fantastic leaders and working with several who weren't so fantastic and my observations on what makes the great ones great and what makes the less great ones less great. And in my book, just using that as the metaphor, (laughs) telling stories is the greatest way to inspire and lead because it really does empower people to make their own decisions and choices. And this book is chock full of stories of leaders I've known and experienced and also leaders I've observed but don't know personally. And there are lots of stories about women in leadership. And frankly, one of the lessons from the book is that leaders in general need to embrace women more 
than they historically have. It's getting better every day, but it still has a long way to go because you ladies generally are a lot smarter than we are, and you also, on those soft skills I was talking about, great at that, too. You're sensitive, and you can help the men shave off the rough edges <laughs> and get better at that, too. And there are many wonderful leaders talked about it, like Andrew Nogi and CEO of General Motors and others, so just had great careers and make a difference. And this truly is a great book. I'm so grateful to you, Jay McDonald, for having written it, for taking time with us this morning to give some insights in a very short period of time and to encourage others who want to connect with you that they can find you at jmcdonald.com. And that's J-A-Y and McDonald, M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. So many thanks for for this time and for all your great work, Jay McDonald. We really appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you, Kate, and thank you for allowing me to speak to your listeners and to you. And I wish you the best, and I wish everyone out there the best, too. Happy to help in any way I might.